whenever we talked to them, they were so specific, not just vague, but very specific as to how they're growing, what are the growth drivers, what the vision is, what the business model is, what sets them apart, why they're needed, how enthusiastic their users are, et cetera, et cetera. So basically, all those checkpoints, all those things that any experienced VC or or angel investor has in his or her mind, they were just check, 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 check. <laughs> Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show, where we interview founders of fast-growing seven and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. As an online retailer or supplier, you're well aware that accurate product content drives more sales. However, as your store starts to scale, the harsh reality is that maintaining product description content becomes more and more of a challenge to e-commerce teams. This is a problem Salsify solves. Salsify is a SaaS-based product content management platform built specifically for online retailers and brand owners. I recently took Salsify on a test drive, and here are the glaring advantages e-tailers stand to gain. First, your entire product catalog can be accessed by any department in a centralized hub. Then there's a workflow setup that ensures no fields go amiss when product data is published to multiple channels such as Amazon, your Google Merchants account, or just directly to your e-commerce store. Salsify tells you when it spots missing critical data across your product catalog. It's a flexible and robust product management platform. I recommend if your store and brand products catalog changes often and if you publish to numerous channels. As a 2x e-commerce listener, you can get to trial Salsify for free at salsify.com forward slash 2x. That is S-A-L-S-I-F-Y dot com forward slash 2x. I'll leave more details and a link on this episode show notes. Hello, guys. Today's episode is about raising VC venture capital funding for online retail. And I have um, an investor, a board member, a VC himself, and a shareholder in over 50, yes, you heard that, 50 startups with a combined valuation of, yeah, a billion dollars, right? Um, so he He's here to talk to us about VC funding for online retail. His name is Igor Shoifort. He founded and co-founded, he's founded and co-founded several successful e-commerce startups, including Fotoki, um, a 500, which is like a top 500 website in, in the mid 2000 era, um, and had 25 million users and, you know, billions of photos to share. He's um, an investment partner at TMT Investment. Um, it's a venture fund in Silicon Valley. He's also the chairman of the largest internet incubator in Ukraine, Happy Farm, with 40 plus startups. 
and T Nation, which is an incubator in Kazakhstan. And he writes for the San Francisco Examiner. He starts in Berkeley, UCSF, Stanford, New York University. And um, he has an MBA from you know Boston University and a PhD from the Russian Academic of Sciences. Igor is, um, has, in the space of e-commerce, which is what we're very, very um, specific about, he has successfully funded successful e-commerce startups such as Le Tout, Scent Bird, and Ronello. Um, he's here to talk to us about how you can raise funds for your potentially disruptive e-commerce business. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Igor Shoyful to the show. Welcome, welcome to Shoy, Igor. Thank you so much. An absolute pleasure to wake up at 8 a.m. in uh, California, <laughs> in San Francisco, and uh, to participate in something that hopefully would be useful to some listeners. Brilliant, brilliant. It's um, 4 o'clock here in the UK. Um, about to sh- sh- close close off. You're my um, last caller on my last cool. interview for the day, which is awesome. Could you take a minute or two, please, to, to, to introduce yourself to, to our listeners? Absolutely, but I think uh, after an introduction that uh, you gave me, I should probably apply to uh, Nobel Prize uh, committee or something like that. That seems like the next <laughs> obvious step. <laughs> So um, uh, I, I'd always be very careful with people who just keep collect keep collecting medals like I do. You know, chairman of this, investor of that, investment partner of this and the other. Uh, one, uh, thank you very much for uh, the great introduction. One, one little addition to that is that actually TMT Investments, even though our main investment focus area is Silicon Valley, but we actually are London based. Uh, so uh, TMT Investment is um, uh, surprisingly a, a British uh, company. Uh, I'm just uh, the only person who, uh, you know, lives here and uh, represents us in uh, Silicon Valley and, and in uh, the U.S. But uh, we've been very actively investing. And, uh, you know, the only thing I could add to what you said is uh, we made, like you mentioned, three investments in e-commerce. All three worked out fantastically mm. and uh, we'll look forward to funding more e-commerce startups so any of you listeners right away i'll plug this in uh, <laughs> any of you listeners if you have a great e-commerce startup and it has revenues of at least half a million or a million a year that's our sweet spot uh mm. find me it's not that hard pitch me i'd love to talk to you <laughs> okay we'll get your details too right Okay, where do we start from? Let's talk about TMT Investment. Um, how mm-hmm. how many countries are you? You're based in London, as you just alluded mm-hmm. to. You're the head out in San Francisco in the Valley, which mm-hmm. is very, very necessary for your tech investment. Um, yep. Are there any other countries TMT Investment is, is active in and why? That's a very good question. We actually originally planned to focus on Silicon Valley and New York. And then it just worked out in such a way that a huge majority of our 40 investments is in Silicon Valley, uh, San Francisco and Silicon Valley. Uh, There are, I think, five, if I'm not mistaken, in Israel. There are three, again, if I'm not mistaken, in Estonia, three in Ukraine, and uh, 
two or three uh, in New York and everything else, uh, so more than 20, are in Silicon Valley and San Francisco. It, it wasn't original, like I said, it, it was a very serendipitous you know, opportunistic uh, thing. We didn't, if you would tell us that we would be investing in Estonia, we would have laughed and said, no, I mean, come on, it's a 1.3 million people country. Uh, but uh, we actually did. And, and it wasn't based on any strategy. It was just that we love the startups that we saw and uh, yeah. they're pretty successful. Uh, I was in Estonia in April. Um, they're, they're, very, it's a very, they're very clever people in, in that country. Yep. And, yep. um, it, you know, they, 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 they brought Skype, didn't they? Before Microsoft, uh-huh. they sold onto Skype. So yeah, quite, uh-huh. quite interesting. So, so you're, you're in um, Israel, Ukraine, Estonia, New York, and Silicon Valley with, with uh-huh. London. Okay. Well, it's, it's, uh-huh. you've, you've got quite a, a large footprint. Okay. That's now, right. Right. Now let's talk about what your portfolio looks like in, in terms of um, the kinds of companies that, that um, are in your portfolio. I would assume tech, you know, um, is predominant, but besides uh-huh. tech, um, even digging into tech, if we, could you shed some more light on the kinds of tech companies you work with or you invest in uh-huh. and um, other kinds of um, sectors or verticals you're, you're quite active in? Sure. I think it would be easier rather to say what we don't invest in. And, and I really, I don't mean it in a, in a funny way because we are rather opportunistic as far as uh, technologies. We, we definitely are very technology focused. We definitely look for something that is not just, uh, you know, significant revenues or significant revenue growth, but for something that is a very promising, strategically speaking, uh, technology. So something that would generate significant growth and would give us uh, an opportunity for a great exit. And if you look at the fund performance, we're one of the best performing funds in terms of numbers, and uh, uh, that strategy paid off. So we are not investing in medicine, we're not investing in pharmaceuticals, we're not investing in hardware, uh, we are not investing in games uh, temporarily, at least for now, we're not investing in HR, although we had two great HR investments, uh, one page, which was a pretty big IPO in Australia, and uh, uh, Guild, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, raised $26 million, uh, altogether. Um, but uh, other than that, really, B2B and B2C are our sweet spots, and just to give you a sense uh, what we invest in, we invested in a lot of um, software as a service, uh, B2B businesses, Pipedrive, uh, which is, uh, by the way, uh, started by Estonians but based in New York, mm-hmm. used to be based in Silicon Valley, a powerful online sales management tool, uh, Backblaze, which is an unbelievable backup software that offers you the same as Amazon S3, but for a fraction of a cost and has thousands and thousands of uh, paying users. Uh, Rike, which is one of the best and fastest growing uh, project management software, etc. So I, I could talk forever and ever about those wonderful things. So really just opportunistic, looking for B2B and B2C things, but really looking for teams 
that figured out growth, that figured out business models, and that could tell, could tell us, hey, guys, you know, we know how to grow. Here are specific growth drivers. Give us the money and we'll scale. Okay, so, so they're, they're more or less, just to, to put this in, 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 a, in another analogy, they're, they're, they're more or less, um, they're spaceships or they're, they're rockets, and um, they're, they're looking to lift off, and they're, they're looking for funds to actually fuel them, and, and, and you, you give them the funding to, to fuel to, to, to go up, to, to shoot out and launch, you know, that, um, in, a, in a big way to space. That, that would be a lovely metaphor. Okay, right. Okay, now let's talk about e-commerce. So a lot of people are, um, you know, really looking forward to, to listening more about your e-commerce um, investments. Um, there's mm-hmm. Latoot, there's Scentbird, mm-hmm. and then there's Wanello. Um, mm-hmm. So with your permission, can I get into your head as a VC to figure out Please. why they were... Thank you. Why the viable e-commerce investments? Uh, First thing, before before I start answering, uh, let me just tell you that we're extremely proud of our uh, e-commerce investments, not just because, uh, you know, we we love what we're doing, but because all three, we made just three, and all three have been extremely successful. Not just successful, but extremely successful. to answer your question of why, they all three of them, when they pitched us, they were at different stages. When Ella was really, really early, we were the very first investors. They barely had uh, 250,000 unique visitors. Right now, they have 20 million users, so they grew 100 times. Right, okay. uh, Letot was at a different stage, but it grew many times uh, in just a couple of years. And uh, Sandbird grew, uh, well, it, it probably in just a few months, I, my guess would be that they would raise the next round at 10 times what we invested in them. So they had us, well, at least two of them, but I want to say three, I don't want to say which ones. They, they really had us at hello, uh, at least me, because right past their hello, they said, well, here we are. This is what we're doing. Here's how we're growing. Here are the numbers. And whenever we talked to them, they were so specific, not just vague, but very specific as to how they're growing, what are the growth drivers, what the vision is, what the business model is, what sets them apart, why they're needed, how enthusiastic their users are, et cetera, et cetera. So basically, all those checkpoints, all those things that any experienced VC or, or angel investor has in his or her mind, they were just check, 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 check. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's... Very, very interesting in terms of getting into the specifics and um, letting not just the passion um, be uh-huh. communicated, but with detail, you know, with, with uh-huh. detail. So you saw the passion and they got into the detail to, to demonstrate the opportunity um, for, for growth. Now, uh-huh. getting into Letout, uh, right? um, I, I did uh-huh. check them prior to our conversation, um, prior to this call. Uh, their subscription commerce business tailored to the maternity fashion retail segment. So, so what appealed? What 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 feature appealed most to you when they got into the specifics as to um, how they intended to, to 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 grow to grow a very ambitious you know business? And um, what just what what got your attention? Had they had 
angel investment initially, and then you know they're looking for more um, VC funding. Or, and so, so what actually just piqued your interest in getting to to be involved? With Latot, they literally had me at hello because uh, they said we are a Netflix for female clothes. Okay. That's that's pretty much it, <laughs> and then I immediately figured out what they are. Uh, okay. and, and it's really brilliant. Usually people laugh when they say, you know, we're M- Amazon for, I don't know, kids' toys, or yeah. we're Google for, uh, I don't know, agriculture or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it is laughable. But <laughs> in this case, what's there not to love, right? People pay a small subscription fee and they could literally, well, theoretically, but maybe practically, have... 50 dresses for 50 bucks. How could you? I mean, you and I were guys, so it's, it's hard to seduce us this way. But but tell to a woman, for 50 bucks, you can have 50 dresses and, and look for a reaction. It would be like, wow, where do I sign? So that's, that's pretty much it. But uh, this is in short. And uh, to spend another half a minute on this answer, uh, what really turned us on, uh, venture capitalistically speaking, <laughs> was that uh, they were very clear about their growth drivers. They, and, and, that's, and I can't emphasize that, emphasize that enough. And I know I already mentioned it a couple of times. I probably will repeat it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But what sets apart successful entrepreneurs, successful startups, successful ventures is not just you know, great idea. Ideas are really the dime a dozen. Really. Open any magazine and you'll get a thousand great ideas. But the ability, and not just passion, you know, who's not passionate about their kid, their their startup, mm-hmm. but really this very, very specific knowledge and very specific plan and very specific results of growth here is the first growth driver, you know, search engine optimization. Here is the second growth driver, advertising. Here is how this channel performs. Here's how that channel performs. Here's how viral the product is. When a person orders, the person posts on, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. Here is another growth driver, partnership with this company. Here is another growth driver, partnership with that company. Here are the results for this month, for that month. And when you listen to this, you just fall in love and you say, okay, let's talk, let's okay. talk investment. Okay. So, so this is execution. So they, they get very detailed in execution of for growth. How, yes. so from a timeline standpoint, um, what peaks, well, what turns you on <laughs> in VC terms, right? Um, seeing 10 years ahead in detail of execution for growth drivers or two years or three years, what, what, what's kind of like from, you know, the over 50 companies you guys have invested in, what, what is the trend from, from that standpoint when they sort of demonstrate their, their growth drivers to you from a times perspective? Right. So uh, two, two things. One right away, uh, there are about 40 companies at Team T Investments. There are, I'm doing other things outside of Team T Investments. So that's, that's why I'm in a, a lot more than 50 companies. But uh, at TMT, what we do is we really look for a combination of things. One, a very promising segment, a very promising technology, because 
sad as it may sound, some things are way too early. They, they're great, but they're way too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like 3D printing. It's wonderful. But, uh, you know, tell me right away at the top of your head, a great successful 3D printing company. You wouldn't. Nobody would. It's, it's just way too early. And, and maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe next year there will be something great. But it's way too early. Uh, so that's, you know, one thing. You need to be not too early and not too late. I mean, you know, right now somebody's saying, hey, we have a great search engine. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Or we have a great social network. Really. Right. Social network. Um, okay. Or microblogging platform. Okay. So it shouldn't be too early. It shouldn't be too late. It should be something that is growing. We're not angel investors. We're not investing in a business plan and, you know, the first 50 users and the first, you know, 500 downloads. Um, it should be a great team. Great, not in the sense that, you know, they're, they're nice people. They, they know how to talk and how to present. Great in the sense that they know what they're doing. They're very capable of selling and selling to investors, selling to team members, selling to customers, selling to distribution channels, selling to the press, selling to potential buyers of the company. They need to be very growth-focused. You know, companies that are not growth-focused do not grow. With, with, with a few very notable exceptions, like, you know, Microsoft, for example, they, they didn't, if, if you would ask Bill Gates back when he just met with IBM, you know, how would you grow? He wouldn't tell you anything too smart. But they, you know, after they acquired uh, DOS, which then became MS-DOS and then Windows, they just had this one powerful distributor, IBM. Um, so you need, so it's, it's a combination of those things. It need, the technology needs to be there. The segment needs to be very promising. The team needs to be capable of growing and they need to be very growth oriented. So I, I would say these are the things that, that you know, made us so happy after the very first talk with Litot. And after that, God, I, I don't know, I probably had a dozen of meetings with them. And every time I, I leave their office, every time I go like, wow, these guys are just unreal. Interesting. How, how big was their team at the time? They're, uh, when they just pitched us, I think they were less than 20 people. They, they were like a dozen people. They had a an office, which was at the same time the fulfillment facility. And it was crazy when we visited because they had like a little warehouse and not one of the nicest uh, areas of San Francisco, but it was cheap. And so they were doing all the fulfillment right there. But now they've grown. They they shipped over $100 million worth of products. Okay. Huge. Really, really big. So they they're they they're scaling like crazy, you know, and and they're so proud of you do of what they do. So if you are you know if you're looking for somebody really awesome to interview, uh, you know, the founders of Litot would really be my uh, advice. Yes, Talk please. to them. <laughs> um, an intro would be, would be terrific. Would be great. absolutely. So speaking about um, you know you know them being the the Netflix, um, what what are the well, analogies in, in the in, in in the industry do 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 you come across? I've I've heard of the Uber, the next Uber for this. <laughs> I've heard about um, the 
the um, Airbnb for this, you know, and that, does that pique your interest as an as a VC? Because these are proven sort of principles on the sharing economy. You know, um, does the sharing economy, you know, that admiring retail, does that still appeal, or do you think um, again it's it's mature? Um, it's definitely not mature. It's mature in specific segments. It would be extremely hard to to uh, launch. Uh, probably possible, but extremely hard to launch to launch yet another taxi company in the U.S. You know, uh, there there is Uber and there is Lyft, and then there are three or four smaller guys trying to you know grow. But there are a whole bunch of segments, for example, education, where, you know, it's only starting. Uh, nobody's still, uh, I mean, there are several, uh, you know, powerful, like Khan Academy, Udemy, et cetera, in education, several powerful, I, I don't even want to call them startups, several powerful enterprises by now. But uh, there are no huge successes yet with uh, crowd sourcing, crowd um Crowd using, I don't know, crowd education sort of mm -hmm. things. Uh, are, uh, the, the wisdom of the crowds, I, I think it's only the beginning of it because there are new technologies coming to the market that would enable users to do a lot more. And we're talking about e-commerce. And in e-commerce, e especially, I suppose, being a man, but I suppose especially among women, the whole shopping experience is a very social thing. Mm -hmm. Only a small minority, and, and that's based on a lot of research, uh, only a small minority of women treat, as opposed to men, mm -hmm. treat shopping as, you know, shopping for clothes, shopping for uh, vacation, shopping for home as something that is boring, something that is a waste of time, etc. For a huge majority of women, shopping, even sometimes shopping for food, is uh, an experience, mm -hmm. and uh, it could be made great. And uh, technologies, companies that could make this experience great, useful, economical, fun—you uh, know—something they could boast about. They could benefit a lot. There, there is, uh, for example, there is a huge tendency, huge growth of uh, fashion bloggers, mm -hmm. a, a powerful wave of uh, people, mostly probably, I don't know, 80, 90% of them, 90% probably are, are women. Just talking about, you know, the dresses or perfumes or makeup or anything else that they're buying, they're thinking about, uh, you know, new ways of applying makeup, new ways of looking better, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So um, huge opportunities there. And, and uh, I would love to, you know, whoever out there, I'm, I'm, this interview for me, I'm, I'm just pitching <laughs> us. So whoever out there, any of you, if you are growing, if you're Half a million or more, teach me. I, I'd love to. Half a million or more users or revenue? Uh, revenues. Well, if you have half a million users in uh, e-commerce, that means a lot. I, I, I'd be surprised if you have half a million users and are not monetizing them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Going back to, to let you, just this is a final question around um, their, their, their business. Um, how much capital have they raised um, prior to TMT coming you know, on board? And... Um, 
you know, what kind of revenue were they doing? Because um, they, they would have been ex- well, somewhat um, established or operational at the time. You're talking about a, a typical company we're looking for? No, or uh, a li- if I'm not mistaken, I'll have to look, uh, but I think they raised just a couple of millions before before we invested. We were not the first investors, but we were among the the early investors uh, a couple of rounds back. Okay. Sufficient. Okay, let's move on to Scentbird. Um, mm-hmm. That was another subscription-based business, but yep. this time for perfumes. I, I see yep. a trend here. Um, subscription, mm-hmm. SaaS. Yep. You know, um, like retail as as a software sharing, um, mm-hmm. subscription based. Um, is is that another sort of signal that that yep. piques your interest? Um, I, I would definitely yes. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say that just by just the fact that something is subscription based would make a huge difference in our decision to invest or not to invest, mm-hmm. but. Definitely subscription is a really, really powerful model. You know, a lot of our successful companies, Reich, Backblaze, uh, a whole bunch of others, they are subscription-based because you don't have to, uh, you know, look for one-offs. You don't have to chase uh, new users. You don't have to spend much money acquiring new users. Somebody subscribed and they're just loving it. They're using the business. It's it's a pretty old, uh, proven business model. Even in the digital world, I, I guess America Online was probably the first biggest, you know, billion billion dollar plus, as they would right now say, unicorn. Although nobody <laughs> back then called AOL a unicorn, but uh, they didn't invent it. They were were just really, really, really great at marketing, working at numbers, acquiring uh, smaller companies, and uh, just rolling up this huge multi-billion-dollar monster that was really mostly was based on subscriptions. So it's it's a great thing, subscription, because uh, you know a person loves it, a person uses it, a person expects some level of good service, and uh, your business becomes very predictable, and you uh, run everything and anything by MRR, you know, monthly recurring revenues, and, and it's a powerful magic number, and when somebody comes to you and says, hey, this month's our MRR, for example, are 180,000, and the previous, they were 120, and the previous 80, and the previous 10, Gosh, you say, wow, I'd love to talk. Let, let's really talk investment. Okay. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, so Sedbert, could you give us a, a bit of um, an uh-huh. insight into how they approached you and um, how you, 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 you started to work with them? Uh-huh. So uh, that was unusual because the founder is my old friend, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I we never well not old I we we probably met a few years ago, but uh, we never really talked about her business. We you know we share a lot of interests and in books and science and philosophy, so always had fantastic conversations. And then uh, uh, this year, actually this spring, uh, we were talking about this and that. And she said, well, you know, remember I had a startup and it's actually growing. And I said, well, I know you're a brilliant person, but, uh, you know, your startup, uh, talk to me about it. 
And she talked about it and I said, look, you know, this is really, really something that we're, that we would love. Why won't you? And she, she's based in New York and the team and we are in San Francisco and I'm in San Francisco and my partners uh, were coming uh, here. And so I said, why won't you come to San Francisco and uh, let's talk? And she said, well, you know, it's a long flight. I'm not sure. I'm really busy. And I said, come on, seriously, it's a great opportunity for you. Don't you need the money? And she said, well, I kind of do. But uh, how likely are you guys to invest? I said, if you ask me, we're very likely. I can't guarantee you, but uh, I know you're a brilliant person. And, uh, you know, send me the plan. Let me talk to my partner, see what level of interest we have. And uh, we talked and we all were really interested and i said look absolutely no guarantees but it's just a round trip ticket um come over let's talk and we met for breakfast and uh, i was two of my business two of my partners at tmt and myself and when we finished we just my partners and i will looked at each other like wow we're definitely investing um she was one of the best pitches one of the best ceos uh, one of the best startup leaders, founders that we ever met mm. in the sense that she was extremely knowledgeable, extremely clear, very focused on what she's doing, what the numbers are. Everything was by the numbers. Any question, every question we would ask, she would have an answer very specific, not vague, but very specific to whatever. How are your users converting? Uh, this and this and this numbers. What are your gross numbers? This and this and this. What are your main channels? This and this and this. That percentage comes from here. This percentage comes from here. Mm -hmm. What sets you apart from those guys? This, 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 and this. So it, it was just such a pleasure. If everybody would be like Maria, uh, whom I, I think you should interview as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess this uh, is, is growing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just growing your list of people you should interview. But believe me, you, you would love it. And, and she's a brilliant and very charming person who uh, really doesn't talk in vague terms of, uh, you know, great ideas, but talks in very clear, very specific terms of business, positioning, uh, growth drivers, viral, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh it was a combination. The, the reason we were and are and will be excited about that, it, it was and is a combination of great positioning, very clearly attractive offer, ability to grow, ability to scale, attention to detail, attention to top line and bottom line. It, it's just, you know, she's, she's and the team, actually, not just Maria, but her co-founders uh, whom I met uh, as well, they, they're just the, the CTO and the COO. Yeah. They're as brilliant, you know, yeah. very specific, very clear, very great work ethics. You know, they I, I just watch it on Facebook at midnight. They post stuff from their office and, you know, I, I comment, hey, guys, you know, I, I, I'm so absolutely certain that this investment is going to work out if, if you're at the office at midnight things yeah. will work out I'm, I'm on on their instagram page and um the level of detail i could see like subscription boxes not just plain old subscription boxes but with some art yep. on it yep. and the colors of, of the, the the bottles the 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 packaging there's there's a lot of detail and for 15 dollars yep. a month you know it's it's a no-brainer for for a certain segment of the female you know um absolutely market. 
Um, yeah. And the interesting thing, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but the interesting thing is it's not just perfumes. It's actually the best, the most sought-after designer perfumes. So it's not yes. you know the cheap stuff. It's the mm. stuff that women once they get it, they say, "Holy moly, this is this is just great. This is just amazing." Gotcha, gotcha. And are they extending to to men or um, is it yep. they still okay? Okay, all right. So because I've yeah. seen cologne's actually yes, they are. Right. They launched just a few months ago, and the growth there was even faster than in female segments. You know, the the the, the goddamn metrosexuals, which are which, which is definitely myself. I don't know if you're included, but we will. <laughs> I have my days. Let's put it that way. But it's it's quite quite interesting that um you know. When we think about like perfumes and scents, they're in a way replenishables. Um, so if I'm out of supplies for, you know, particular, you know, aftershave, I'm, you know, I'm in the shops trying to buy it or I'm online trying to buy it to, to, to replenish. But, you know, having right. a proposition in which there's diversity and, you know, it's properly curated to, to my tasting, and my liking, and I have options and I could actually test and experiment with you know, various scents, you know, it's, I could see the appeal there, you know, um, from, a, from a growth standpoint and also from a consumer standpoint. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Um, so how much did you, so how much capital did you, did you um, put into Scentbird? Uh, did, did TMT put into Scentbird? If I'm not mistaken, but I'll, I'll have to look. I think the total is half a million dollars, but but I'll, it, it's pretty easy to uh, Google. But I, I think it's half a million. It'll be on the angel list, I suppose. Okay, right. And um, let's talk about. Um, so you you are angel investors for 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 them, or um, yeah, with with the value there, with with the capital in there, your, your angel. Um, I, I would say we we are venture capitalists rather because the uh, it's it's a very fine line between angel and uh, VC should be a whole separate. I'm I'm even afraid to start <laughs> talking because it's it's at least a another one hour long conversation. But but. Down- that was a VC investment, okay. but the, the the line there is very blurred right now between right. what what angel investors and what VCs do these days. Okay, okay. So long as you see the growth, then you're you're on it. Okay. Now, yep. finally, Wanello, um, social commerce. So they don't actually have stock or you know sell products. They're, um that you said you got in there when there were two hundred and fifty thousand visits, and they're twenty yep. million users to today. Yep. Um, yep. So could you kind of tell us? what it looked like when they approached you, you know, at their initial size and what growth has been and, and why you said it was so successful because you did, you know, allude to, to, to this earlier on um, in our discussion. Right. So um, I, I think the introduction was made uh, by a, a buddy of mine, uh, uh, Jonathan Abrams, who's the founder of Friendster and who, I don't know if you remember you, Friendster, but I was... Yeah. I was, that was the pre-Facebook Facebook. Uh, and uh, Jonathan is an amazing guy, and he runs this very, very exclusive. I don't even want to use uh, the term. I don't know what it is. It's kind of a co-working space slash accelerator. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's called Founders Den, which is one of the most sought-after places for uh, you know startups. He really very carefully handpicks who who he can uh, have there. And I think at any time there there's not more than a dozen teams, sometimes even five or six teams there. And so he handpicked uh, Dina 
which is a fellow Siberian. I, I was born in Siberia, and, and okay. so was she. Hence, hence the choice of the warm uh, Californian weather. Um, <laughs> so he, I, I think I asked him, anybody cool in uh, e-commerce uh, space? And he said, well, you know, there is another Siberian fruit just like you. Uh, you, you should talk to her. And uh, we met, and uh, Dina was just, uh, I think we met at some cheap sushi place, which was my choice for whatever reason. And she was just like absolutely brilliant founder. She uh, was and is really young. I think she was in her late 20s back then. And she didn't have startups before, but she had such a passion and she had such a brilliant idea. And back then we were luckily investing in pre-revenue. She was pre-revenue. Uh, right now we don't. Uh, that was several years ago. And she really just explained the vision that she had saying, look, you know, women, and she had, she has 95, 97% of users that are women. Women just love to share their shopping experience. They love it but they don't have a lot of means. And that was several years ago. They don't have a lot of means of sharing the experience. And, and back then, by the way, Instagram was, you know, people used it, but it was, it was not that huge. And it was not specifically for shopping. And so her idea was uh, creating a bookmarklet, which is uh, a little button on your browser that you can very easily, don't have to be technical, you can just click and you have a little button added to your browser. And whenever you go to any site and you see, you know, a perfume, a coat, a dress, a pair of shoes, uh, you know, maybe even uh, a lamp, you just click on that. And what that bookmarklet does is cutting out a little picture or a big picture of that product mm -hmm. uh, and offering you to either accept a description that's there or to edit it or to, you know, put your own and optionally put a price as mm -hmm. well. And then you end up with a collection of things that you like. So it's kind of basically just visual bookmarks, nothing more. Shopping. But, yeah. yeah, exactly. But the vision was that you would only do it for shopping. Because for everything else, there was Pinterest. And by the way, interestingly, a lot of people started saying these days, oh, so Ella looked at Pinterest and they created their own. No, because they, believe it or not, started at the same time of Pinterest. So nobody knew about Pinterest. Uh, I remember uh, back seeing an interview on TechCrunch um, with, with her mm -hmm. uh, while Pinterest was just starting out. So they started yep. at the same time. I, I clearly yep. remember an interview with Dina um, on TechCrunch. It was in a distraught um, event but by the way admittedly we had a chance to invest at pinterest and we we didn't oh, <laughs> <laughs> and the valuation back then was 50 million yeah so, yeah that was that was yeah, probably the biggest the biggest little mistake so, that, yes. but who knows i mean but, they, but they still they're, they're still not really generating that much revenue Right, often, right, right. But there are like the top twenty website on the internet these days. So yes, uh, just consider them a unicorn, really. Um, but yeah. Oh, they're Bally, Bally, Bally. Mega, mega, mega unicorn. Mega. <laughs> okay, so quite an interesting story. I'm actually on the Wanello um, Angel List page, and um, there's first round capital. They're recognizable names here: Tim Ferriss on here, Andy Don is yep. here from um, from Bonobos. Yep. 
um, Forerunner Ventures. Um, yeah, I, I could see some recognizable names. Slow Ventures, Floodgate. It's, mm-hmm. it's huge. It's massive. So um, with regards to, so how has the capital, you know, helped them grow and, you know, ex- be, be established as a social, the social commerce, you know, platform mm-hmm. for a certain demographic, you know, um, of shoppers? So to, to make absolutely sure, we were the very first uh, investors. It, it was the, the first round. The valuation was just so low. It was four, I, I think 4.2 million or 4.4 million, which, you know, I mean, back then they generated no revenues. They had 240 or something, 220,000 unique visitors. Uh, but it was very little. It, it was very different, actually, the, the side, the, the look, et cetera, et cetera. The money helped them a lot. I think uh, not just the money, but also the connections. Uh, Naval Ravikant, who is, uh, I, I think, chairman and co-founder of AngelList, uh, one of the top angel investors, one of the top visionaries in Silicon Valley. He is the board member and investor there. I think his influence is tremendous there. His, uh, you know, connections, his vision, his understanding of what's happening. In terms of how money helped, um, it, it definitely helped them in many, many ways. They uh, created, at first, it was really just a team of uh, two people, Dina and her sister, you know, and uh, they outsourced it to India. And uh, they, once they raised money, they uh, created a technical team here. They got an office here. At first, it was just a tiny little office for just a few people. It was really the, the kitchen was the size of uh, pretty much the rest of the office, and uh, they did brilliant job. But but I think the most important start uh, stuff that they did is they started creating shops. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, they have. 300,000 shops okay. on Monello. And actually starting um, several months ago, you could actually sell on Monello. Uh, there, there are, I think using Shopify, yeah. you, you can actually sell on Monello. So right now they're working on monetizing this huge traffic of 20 million uh, users and hundreds of thousands of stores. But what it helped them with is it helped them uh, really clean up the interface, work harder on viral, really develop better viral paths for people to share easier and uh, have a whole bunch of, I guess, uh, I, I'm not operationally involved there. I'm not on, on the board of directors of Vanilla, but my guess would be that they had a lot of uh, very important strategic relationships, and and they do have a lot of important strategic relationships. For example, in Nord- Nordstrom stores, you could have these big screens of Wanello, and you can uh, wow. check what your yeah you, you can check what your friends on Wanello uh, yeah. choose. You can uh, you know see what what your choices at the store could be, etc. So it's it's something really really brilliant that yeah. they're doing. Something yeah. very cutting edge. Yeah, yep. that, that I can imagine would be a real growth driver. Um, you know, being in the shopping floor of a, of a Nordstrom. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Um, yep. just wrapping up and being mindful of your time. Um, I'm going to bra- just breeze through a few things I was hoping to discuss with you, which is um your philosophy on um 
prototyping an MVP in, um, when would be a good time to sort of, um, to, to what stage do you prototype, to what stage do you MVP um, before you start to, to think about um, angel investors or, or even perhaps VCs keeping angels altogether? Um, it should be something that is working, but the faster you can do it, the better. So my suggestion is just be mindful of the time investment and money investment. Uh, don't, you know, as much as you can create something bare bones, uh, just do it. Don't, don't add features. That's, that's the shortest I can. Okay. Do. Okay. And what about disruption? What's your philosophy on, on, on disrupting an industry, particularly in retail? Um, what, where do you think in, in retail, because in, in retail, there, there are various sub-segments in, in retail. Um, where do you think, I, I spoke to, um, what's her name again? Julie Fredrickson. She, she's the founder of, um, the, quite a disruptive, um, cosmetic line, uh, direct to, to consumer, which is, um, Stonaway Cosmetics. Basically, the, mm-hmm. the, the value proposition is cut the size of cosmetics to half because there's a lot of waste. And, you know, sell it for half the price. So they, they want to, you know, hit the cosmetics industry, which is just dominated by about 10, 10, 10 companies basically, um, with half the price. So take their margins and then sell direct to consumers. And they're growing their, the fast growing business with, with funding. Um, they've raised about $1.5 million so far. And so, so they're disrupting an industry in cosmetics, which, um, has not been touched since the 1950s. Um, so from, from right. your perspective, um, what are the industries do you what w- do you think um, is rightful for disruption, particularly in retail? Um, so, yeah, it might align with some of our listeners to 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 what some of our listeners are listening are thinking about. Sorry, definitely. So, first of all, disruption for disruption's sake is not. It's like you know, gross for gross sake. It's mm. uh, somebody said it's it's the philosophy of cancer cells. You know, just uh, grow for growth sake. That there should be growth for the sake of something. So you, when you are disrupting, you know something. You can do something. You see something that others don't. So, for example, you can do better fulfillment. You can do better delivery. You know something about what users want or do that others don't. You can create a marketplace that doesn't exist, but there is a need for the marketplace. You can you, you can do certain things with your mobile that before you couldn't, and you're using this opportunity to be able to satisfy people better. But more and more and more disruption, I think, is going to come not from just pure technology, but from a an amalgam of uh, technology, human experience, entertainment, and anything starting with crowd. You know, so crowd shopping, uh, crowd sharing, crowd buying, any of those things, they, they could be great. And any new devices, any new capabilities of devices, including the old devices, any capabilities of actual physical retail stores, uh, any uses of location uh, that were not used before, any uses of human ability to do things, to make decisions, uh, any art- use of artificial intelligence. These are, you know, very superficially speaking, these are the disruptions that, uh, you know, I would look at anything that benefits users, anything that saves money, anything that saves costs, 
anything that creates this great, entertaining, wonderful shopping experience, wonderful selling actually also as well experience, anything that streamlines things, uh, that's that's what I would look for in disruption. For, for the core benefits of, of users, so, so that's really powerful. And going beyond tech and, you know, thinking about the human experience, entertainment, you know, crowdfunding or crowd, wisdom of the crowd's AI. That's, that's mm-hmm. really interesting stuff. It, so it seems very, quite expansive, um, but with one core objective, which is, you know, um, improving humanity, really, the way Absolutely. we do things. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So just w- what about um, an exit from, from a VC standpoint? Um, Mm-hmm. Um, in the context of um, an exit, what does an exit look um, like from, from your perspective? It's such a tough subject. Uh, mm. Everybody, you know, it's like teenage sex. Everybody's talking about it, oh, but uh, very, very few had it. <laughs> so um, exits very rarely happen by themselves. Usually they happen in a, a few cases. One case is when you, a startup, have that wonderful, wonderful something that somebody who has enough cash or has valuable equity wants. Two, when you're so big, or at least a perception of you is so big, you know, when when you're becoming, uh, you know, you probably... Pinterest is a little bit too big for quite a few companies to acquire right now, but for some, it probably still is not. So the second thing is it, it's really land grab. When you have, and in, in our case, it's more like eyeballs grab, right? When you have millions of users mm-hmm. and somebody can monetize them, they are really buying you not on the value of your technology or even your business transactions or your bottom or top line, but they're really buying you because you have, you know, 16 million users and they're thinking, well, you know, we can probably, uh, you know, make $10, $10 on each of your users. So why won't we buy you for $120 million? Um, uh, and, and there are several other cases. You sometimes have this amazing technology that somebody wants. Uh, you sometimes are a competitor that somebody would rather buy you than let you, you know, create a danger. Uh, sometimes somebody has so much cash because, you know, sometimes companies raise incredible amounts of money or some companies are public companies and they're thinking, well, we better use that. And they're buying strategically. And sometimes exits are not acquisitions, but uh, an IPO. And uh, if you become big enough uh, and uh, if you have this incredible vision that, not just the markets believe in, but the bankers can package well, <laughs> cynically speaking, cynically speaking, mm-hmm. and uh, the other bankers and the market would believe in, uh, then there is an exit. But they rarely, rarely happen by themselves. They, they do. Like uh, Picasso, you know, the, these guys were totally clueless little startuppers that uh, Sergey Brin saw and said, wow, this is great. Uh, I'm buying them. But uh, typically, you need to work hard uh, in order to do that. The the harsh truth for investors, whether uh, venture capitalists like myself or angel investors, is that you really don't make money until something exits. With an exception of uh, a, a probability, a possibility of actually just uh, selling your shares to somebody else, 
but then you rarely make a lot of money. Or a, a, prob- a possibility that you have dividends, but that's very unusual for you know, Silicon Valley. It's, it's more, in, in Eastern Europe, actually, quite a few investors invest with uh, potential dividends uh, in mind. So I, I don't know if I answered the question. You, 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 have, you have quite extensively. Um, there, there's so many avenues to, 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 to explore. Um, you know, you can be purchased by, by user base just by the share yep. size of the number of people you reach. A competitor might just want to shut you down, you know, buy and shut you down. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, you know, an IPO and um, yeah, it's all strategic. Um, yeah, it's, these are really, really interesting, you know, stuff um, to to get uh, my hand, my, my my head around. Okay, right. Let, finally, let's let's get into the. Um, I just wanted to ask one more question with regard to exits. Actually, it's it's it's, it's, uh-huh. it's above my my head, which is dilution. The problem with or the the challenge with dilution. So you get more. You're you're early stage investor. You know, you you you're you're a VC and um, you have maybe five percent, and then the new bigger investors. How do you prevent the dilution of um of, of your shares? In you know, in um when 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 you get more investors on board. Uh, the short answer is you don't. You you can't prevent the dilution. Uh, you you have no means of doing that. The only thing you can do is you can invest more and buy more shares, and then you you loan more. So uh, you usually. Uh, if a company is growing, uh, the value of the company is growing. So you invested at four or five million, and then the next round is at twenty million. And let's say uh, they're you know selling ten percent of their equity at twenty million. So on the one hand, you have a ten percent dilution of your shares, but on the other hand, the value just grew several times. So uh, you hate it. When a company does not grow, when a company is doing uh, what is called in our world a down round, a round at lower price than than the previous uh, round or rounds, uh, then you actually are unhappy. But again, you, you can't do anything. I mean, the company needs money, and uh, you certainly say yes, absolutely, sure, raise it. Uh, uh, lower price than we invested in because you need the money and and sometimes you put the money also at this uh, uh, you know lower valuation there's very little you can do so the, the short answer is you can't do anything the longer answer is if the company is growing you love the dilution because you're diluted by a small percentage you know five percent ten percent etc but you grow four five ten whatever times that makes sense so the growth outpaces the the, the shrinkage yep. okay right good stuff good stuff so now's the time for our lightning round the evergreen questions i ask almost okay. all the guests to come here um how do you hire how do you hire people when we fall in love. <laughs> you like them and then you I'll them. try to answer with one sentence. Okay, all right, fine. Um, what are your three indispensable tools for managing your businesses? Um, Thunderbird as my email um, client, um, Google Calendar as my um, uh, as my calendar, mm-hmm. and uh, Facebook as my social network. Awesome. Okay. Um, what's been your best mistake to date? By that I mean a setback that's giving you the biggest feedback. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, living in New York City for over a decade. Really? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. And I love New York. Okay. I love New York. But you're, you're, you're a West Coaster now. I yes, I should have leave. <laughs> 
<laughs> what one piece of advice can you give to listeners looking to raise capital for a potentially disruptive e-commerce venture? Don't worry about investors. Don't worry about what they tell you. Don't worry about fundraising at all. Worry about making absolutely sure that your business is growing, that you are very clear as to why and how your business will be growing, as to what sets you apart from others. Worry about building a great team. Worry about building a self-propelling, growing product or service and everything else will fall into into place golden if you could choose a single book or resource that's made the highest impact on how you view building a business and growth which would it be the hard thing about the hard thing by ben horowitz oh yeah like the third fifth person third fourth fifth person <laughs> <laughs> okay okay finally could you let our audience know how best to to find and reach you um, you can, it's easy to Google me. I'm the only eager I fought in the world, surprisingly. So whatever, if, if I ever commit a crime, it would be so hard to, <laughs> you know, to, to avoid being arrested. Um, uh, LinkedIn is there. Angel list is there. Facebook is there. Facebook is more for personal use. Mm-hmm. So, you know, LinkedIn is better. Angel list is better. Also on angel list, you can see clearly what I invested in, uh, what team team invested in uh what what the networks are what people say about us so i i very much here you know once again will tell but by the way i totally if you would tell me what is your force tool that would definitely be angel list (laughs) very very highly recommend that all of you guys you 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 should all use angel list it's it's awesome it's the best 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 way to get to investors yeah Uh, i also use it for for the podcast to really find you know high caliber you know, um, interviewees. I just sent you a LinkedIn um, request, by the way. Okay. Awesome. Um, thank you so, so much, Ego, for sharing your, awesome. your, your, your knowledge in, you know, investing in, in, in VC. It's been an hour. I appreciate your time and expertise here. And, you know, our guest will definitely, definitely be quite, uh, you know, enlightened about um, investments in, you know, from VC and uh, in, in online retail in general. Thank you so much, Ego. And I would say it was an absolute pleasure. It was definitely worthwhile waking up uh, much earlier than I usually do. <laughs> Brilliant. You, you did say something earlier about um, the, 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 the the difference in culture between San Francisco and, and Silicon Valley. You said one where you, you said one part gets up early and the other. Could you sort of remind me, please? Uh, so in in Silicon Valley, which is you know uh, Palo Alto, Mountain View, Sunnyvale, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, people go to bed really early, eight p.m., nine p.m. Seriously, I'm not joking, and they wake up at five. One of my uh, one of the companies where I'm an investor, and I live in the city in San Francisco. One of the companies where, where I'm an investor, uh, I say, well, come over to San Francisco, let's have breakfast, and uh, they said what time works for you and i said what time works for you they said how about seven i was like excuse me <laughs> like seven a.m they said wouldn't you have to wake up in san jose at five they're like yeah but we usually do 
And they said, there's no freaking way that I'm having breakfast at 7. I'll wait for you at 9. <laughs> <laughs> what time did you guys get up in San Fran? Different people do it at different times, but there is definitely a culture, I think, very much like uh, you know, in other big cities of going out, staying up till like 10, 11, 12. So you typically, I would say, go to bed at midnight, sometimes even 1 a.m., and wake up probably eight-ish, nine-ish, but uh, you, you usually, um, I don't know, people usually work hard here. I, I, it's totally, totally normal for somebody to be at the office or, you know, at the desk at midnight and, and working and then just going to bed and sleeping and waking up at like eight or nine and saying, oh, yeah. what, a, what a great, what a great working <laughs> night it was. <laughs> you do give the hours somehow. Thank you. Thank you again. Okay. You too, All right. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X eCommerce. To help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunle Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com.